Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And uh, every week, uh, we bring you uh, cutting-edge, candid, uh, heart-stopping sometimes. Well, some of that's not true. Com- well, I might be exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. Commentary on uh, stocks um, in that week's Value Line issue. Well, this um, week's. This week's, the this current week. week. Well, actually, whatever the, t- week today. That the show is about. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, we are uh, we are working uh, Wall Street analysts with uh, 25 years experience, and um, um, we have uh, taken on secret identities and altered our voices so that we can bring you our candid views without worrying about our bosses and their tyrannical opinions about whether we should be able to do that or not. Well, they wouldn't like it at all. Uh, yeah, I, I think that. that's, yeah. I think I'm that's not really a Val, but bet. I just like going by Val on the show. Uh, and it's a nice name. Thank you. Val yeah. Hughes. Yeah. I like it. Short for Valiant, I think. No, it's just Val, like uh, like Val. Kimmel. In any event, let me encourage you to visit our website, www.thevalueguys.com, where you can learn more about us and uh, listen to any archive shows if you'd like. We uh, uh, have quite a few of them now. Uh, this week we're going to be uh, talking about stocks. And, oh, wait, I forgot to tell everybody that uh, they need to be ultra-suspicious of us because we're... Just doing this for entertainment purposes and might own any of the stocks or have other vested interests in how the stocks perform, and uh, you're on your own. Um, you know, we take this seriously. We're trying to pick good stocks, but uh, it is for entertainment purposes. Well, I own all the ones I talk about. I, that is the conclusion that we operate with every week. I think you've made that clear. Well, well for, someone uh, may just be learning that it, for the, the first they, time. They, we are picking up uh, new listeners every week, so for those of you who have not listened to the show before, uh, you should know that Val tends to talk about stocks that he owns. And, and he hence, owns I might be biased toward these names since my own money is in these names. Yeah, which I would think would, you know, what do they say? Alignment of interests between yeah, you and uh, other investors? Absolutely. Uh, in any event, uh, this week we're going to be looking at the October 6, 2006 issue of the Value Line Investment Survey, which has a lot of home building oriented. They have the home building industry. They have building materials. A lot uh, of home related. Yeah, even household products, which are products used in a home. Housing here. Um, paper and forest products, things you make the home out of. Things so, you use in your home. <laughs> in any event, <laughs> things in a little you clean bit, your home with. In a little while, I'm going to talk about some stocks in the packaging and container industry, as Value Line calls it. But first, I'm going to turn things over to my uh, uh, my. Uh, I can't think of anything close yeah, to Yeah, well, then let's just week. move on, shall we? Okay, okay. my partner, uh, Val Hughes. Thank you very much, Vern. Appreciate that introduction. All right, well, this week, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here, um, and there's some real interesting, you know, potential values or value traps. You know, it's the old thing, am I wrong or am I early? Who knows? But uh, uh, one thing that's jumping out at me is, of course, the home building industry and some of the uh, aggregate cement uh, industry, which, of course, is a raw material into home building, but among other things. And as most people know by now who own a home or read the paper, home uh, prices are under pressure uh, right now relative to their peaks, although, you know, over most four, five, three to five-year periods, you know, you're probably okay. But particularly in Florida, where, you know, upwards of 20% of the homes bought were by investors and such, although, you know, 10 years ago, it might have been 10 or 15%, who knows. 
but in any case, the housing market, I think, has gotten a little bit more of an investor's market, no doubt helped by the proliferation of uh, pricing information available to the average consumer on the Internet, eBay, Realty.com, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it's just another market where so people it's speculative can bet. Right. Pricing, you're saying? Absolutely. Okay, and so wasn't, uh, I reading some, uh, wasn't I reading something this week that uh, um, included speculation from a couple different sources that we might actually see a year of um, declines in the average value of the home that's sold in the United States, uh, which would be unprecedented, but probably caused by the fact that you had some speculative excess in a lot of markets. Does that make well, sense? Well, that, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that as the market becomes, you know, there's more information in the market. Uh, buyers now have as much information as sellers often had in the past. Uh, and, you know, so, yeah, they're going to go up and down. Um, but I think that uh, in some cases, a couple of the stocks I want to talk about have come down a lot in price. Uh, we still have some underlying growth uh, involved in housing, including you know population growth uh, being, of course, a main driver, but also retirement patterns and population trends are a driver. And we do have a fair amount of net immigration into the country. So uh, there's, you know, there's going to be an underlying uh, trend of building homes. Uh, and so well, anyway, not everybody has a home. Well, I know and that most people want home ownership is, I believe, about the highest it's ever been in America. But, you know, in part, that's because we're wealthier than we've ever been. But also it's demographics. The average person is older than he's ever been. And home ownership it correlates with age. So there's a lot of this stuff that makes sense. But anyway, let me just dive in here. Um, you know, yeah, prices are down, but uh, let me just look here at uh, some of the home builders. And I've actually been looking at these very carefully recently. Uh, MDC Holdings, which is on page... Uh, it's uh, on 869. Yeah, thanks, uh, Vern, 869. And I uh, spoke, to, uh, spoke to the company last week. These guys are really good home builders. Uh, if you look back over time here, their return on capital has been uh, consistently in the teens. Of course, in the good years, it gets a little higher. In the, in the, in the late years of the last uh, cycle, they got uh, low. Uh, but uh, basically, the last 10 years, they've had double-digit returns. Value Line is predicting a pretty draconian decline in earnings from $11 in 05 to $4 uh, next year. And... Um, you know, while that's certainly possible, it wouldn't be indicative of what's actually going on. These guys, if you look at them, they are, um, I couldn't say for sure, I think they're in the top ten of home builders. They're primarily located in Colorado, Virginia, Maryland, California, Arizona, Utah, Texas, Florida, unfortunately, and Nevada. But their footprint is more in states that are growing in population, and that's going to be wind at their back going forward. Retirees moving out there. Uh, as well as just general population trends, job growth, et cetera. There's a few lower taxes in the West. There's lots of drivers, better weather. Uh, they own some real estate, although that, I think they own about two years of build, so that's less than what you read about in Barron's as being dangerous. And uh, they're What very, is dangerous? Well, some, some firms own six, seven years ouch, of lots, ouch, ouch. and uh, you know some of their earnings over the last few years have been related to you know real estate gains in effect not home building gains yeah. and also they lock up a lot of land with options and some off balance sheet financing that 
uh, when they start to write that down, there's exposure beyond just a small piece of equity they have on the balance sheet. So uh, th these guys aren't one of those. That's why I'm talking about. They're nine times earnings. They're 49% of the S&P 500 multiple. Now, granted, some of that's on peak earnings. Uh, but uh, this, this is the kind of company that over the years uh, tends to trade at, uh, you know, I'd say about a, uh, well, frankly, right about here, 50%. But uh, my suspicion is they're going to grow over time in the low teens, and so you're going to at least earn that, and you are going to get a little bit of an improvement uh, in the multiple, I think, over the next three years. The yield is 2%. Uh, the balance sheet is in good shape, 32% debt to cap. And you're going to have to weather a little bit of storm here, but I, I would just, you know, either tiptoe into this or, you know, begin to just uh, watch it. I'm not, a, I'm, I don't back up the truck, but this is one that's going to have a real great price. And if you start to own a little of it, at least you'll start paying attention to it. Secondly, um, there's one that uh, I've actually followed for a long, long time. I mean, 15 years. I've, I've owned it. Um, I don't own it right now, but I'm thinking of buying it right now. It's Ethan Allen, ETH, and this, of course, is a somewhat ubiquitous uh, home furnishings retailer, and they, you know, reflect some trends that have been going on toward a professional uh, environment where, you know, a, a, an upscale buyer can have some nice design help. It's not just for the super wealthy with interior designers. Uh, you know, you don't want to go to a big showroom with an eclectic style. You want to feel confident that what you're buying is in style. Ethan Allen does all that for you. They have financing. They come to your home. And traditionally, it's been a very well-run company with returns on capital in the, you know, 10 years ago in the 20s, but competition, uh, lower inflation and interest rates, but also cheap uh, overseas production. A lot of reasons um, returns are coming down, but they're still in the mid to upper teens. And I think what's happened, the stock's been flat over about four years, is a lot of money that's been going into new homes trying to buy the biggest home you can with your down payment. Uh, some people think this is bad for Ethan Allen and some of the other home furnishings guys. I think the opposite. I think there's a lot of down payment money that's now going to be freed up to improve my current home now that I'm not buying my bigger home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know there's continuing to be a lot of consolidation in this industry, unlike you know the Home Depot Lowe's thing where they own 60% of the market. The public furniture guys here own maybe 30, so uh, you're still going to continue to gain share above just natural market growth. Uh, the stock is at a 25% discount to the S&P, 2% yield. Uh, the balance sheet here is not as nice as I'd like. It's 50% debt to cap. Uh, these guys used to be debt-free 10 years ago, but they've actually accumulated a fair amount of debt in part because of stock buybacks. They've bought back, uh, oh, about 20% of the float over the last... Uh, eight years and I I expect that uh, that that's going to continue but uh, these guys are going to continue to be a top you know four or five uh, retailer they've got good locations good service good product and uh, it's about time for this thing to get a little bit of a multiple and then finally my favorite stock of the day here it's it's in the housing theme we just talked about a home builder a home furnisher now let's get to the to the core of it if you will the rock of it which Ooh. is Florida Rock, FRK, uh, they are a, uh, as you might guess, they're a, a cement uh, a maker, uh, and they mine cement, process cement, sell cement, and other things, sand, gravel, crushed stone, various things like that, concrete products. But the interesting thing about Florida Rock, because I've done a lot of work on this in the last month, 
in part because it's down 40%. It's trading at a 40% discount to the S&P, 11 times earnings. They've got no debt. Yeah, we've talked about this sector yeah. on past shows. Well, I don't know if I talked about Florida Rock, but I'm so excited about this stock right now. And the reason is, here, I, what I've discovered about Florida Rock, if you look at their returns on capital, uh, even in the worst years, they earn 10%. They don't lose money, and they have no leverage. They could easily lever up their ROE into the you know, mid-upper teens on a consistent basis, and they could be at 30% right now if they wanted to, but they don't want any debt. They, uh, what these guys have is they have a monopoly because, as you well know... That's good, isn't it? Well, it's very good. As you know, uh, monopolies are good, but as you know, the, well, the value to weight on cement is so low that there's only an economic radius of moving this stuff about you know, a hundred miles, and uh, fortunately, governments will only license quarries every, you know, 120 miles or what have you. So if you are involved in the quarry, uh, you're going to earn above average returns. Now, I studied something very interesting. You're aware of all these raw material prices going down, oil, lumber, copper, etc., right? Well, Florida Rock sells cement. Do you realize that cement... I could. I've, I went back. I looked through 30 years of data. Cement does not ever go down in price. They just say, "Listen, you don't want any cement. Whatever. Our mine's not going anywhere." Well, they've they, done a. I think historically they've done a very good job of uh, keeping a really tight noose around supply. That's what uh, I'm saying. Which has been you. a problem over the last two or three years. There have been consistent complaints, including in Florida. You were talking about before where Florida Rock is about insufficient supplies of cement. Well, there's actually, I'm glad you brought that up. There's a little hair on the story. One, and that is that a judge in South Florida has said that the permits issued for a quarry there uh, were not issued legitimately, uh, and so uh, they can't mine uh, this quarry. But, of course, South Florida needs cement, and so uh, they're allowed to run the, you know, the mine until it's sort of ironed out, but obviously they're going to have to use the cement, so it's kind of silly. Um, but what I want to point out also about Florida Rock is there's a lot of use that's coming beyond housing, and just to lay this out, there's a lot of building going on in municipal infrastructure. Cement is increasingly gaining share uh, in commercial buildings. Commercial is very strong right now. Corporate capex, very high. Well, we've uh, looked at this, too. Yeah, I, I've looked at this, too, and you can get uh, reasonably good data on where uh, not just stone and gravel is used, but also cement in terms of end markets. And uh, while housing is very important in both of those markets, um, public infrastructure, uh, highway, very hard to uh, overestimate how important it is, combined with uh, other public and uh, private non-residential uh, building construction, would account for the majority of the market. So, sure, uh, housing weak, but the rest of the Rest of the market um, growing nicely and actually seems to be pretty early in a recovery. Yeah, I, I well, I think you have some. I hope chance. you don't mind my pitching in. No, okay. no, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a chance you could buy this a little cheaper, uh, but uh, you know they might have some year-over-year earnings, uh, you know, you, you know, uh, negative comparisons. But I don't. I think you, you just don't try to call the bottom here. Uh, even Value Line's calling for 17% compound earnings growth over the next six, seven years. Uh, 18% book value growth. Prices here never go down, and typically in these commodity companies, stock prices follow the underlying commodity price. Here, that's not a concern. Uh, cheap enough to buy. 
I like Florida Rock. And uh, that's all I have this week, Vern. Uh, this has been values. I, I, that's good because, you, frankly, you sound a little tired. Well, as you well know, it's late at night. We're under some duress we here on, in doing the show. It's a slight amount of duress. Yeah. But, and you know, so a little duress is good. I am a little sleepy tonight, I have to say. A little pressure can... So. Uh, can anyway, let's have... A, you, did you want to do a beverage break? Beverage break time. Okay. Can you hear the ice cubes? Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Okay. So let me introduce you, Vern Value, and then I'm going to just go take a nap. Thank you, Val. Okay. Huge. All right. See you later. Oh, oh are you really going to be just gone? Um <laughs> I, uh, Am I ever? <laughs> I spent some time uh, cruising a few of the home building stuff uh, uh, sectors that Value Line has, and it just—I mean, you're bolder than I am. You're always bolder than I am, Val. I'm not really ready to jump into housing-related. I decided I'd go a different route. Well, and, these are not one-year ideas; these are five-year ideas. And look closely at, um, which they usually are. Uh, look closely at uh, the packaging and container industry, uh, with the idea that. Uh, Oh, there might be some housing exposure in there, but uh, uh, this might be a space where investors might be looking for um, uh, maybe a little less uh, what economic sensitivity than what you might hmm. find in some of these other um, still economically sensitive sector. I don't mean to suggest yeah. it isn't, but uh, so not uh, as much. Uh, you know, took a look at the the couple names that uh, Value Line likes best this week, Pactive and Rock 10. Both stocks have been uh, kind of on a tear, which I think has something, and, and good companies, but has something to say about why Value Line likes them, why their model does. Um, I actually found uh, some interesting names to look at with uh, lower ratings from Value Line. Uh, first one really grabbed me, um, primarily because valuation looks so interesting. Owens, Illinois, symbol, symbol OI, uh, hmm. $2.4 billion market cap. According to Value Line, world's largest producer of glass containers. Yeah. Well, North America, South America, sure, that's Europe, true. and New Zealand, which apparently is its own continent now. Um, nearly 50% global market share. They're big in plastic, too, so it's not like they're not taking advantage of the, what, there's some cannibalization, I guess, of glass applications. Stock uh, recently around 155 20% discount to the market at 14 times earnings. The stock's down over 30%. Uh, this year alone, uh, it's down more like, I don't know, 40, 45% from its high, which was last year. Um, there is some uh, there is some substantial financial leverage. Uh, Value Line says 85% debt to total cap. A um, lot of debt, uh, $5 billion at the end of 2005, but according to Value Line, should be uh, cut by a half a billion dollars by the end of 06, and definitely going down and uh, it looks like maybe going down a little bit of an accelerating pace. The, uh, the the valuation works out to about 10 times free cash flow right now on strong results. So not super cheap or doesn't appear to be super cheap that way. But uh, I started doing a little work on uh, the operating margins of this company are terrific. They, uh, they appear stable now in the high teens. They were in the 20s back in the late 90s. I'm not sure what might have changes in the marketplace to make the business a little less profitable, but they've been apparently stable now for several years in this 18, 19% range. Anyway, was able to work up an EBITDA estimate and uh, combined with a 2.4 billion market cap and uh, in excess of 5 billion of net debt, came up with an enterprise value that was under four and a half times EBITDA. Uh, and according to Value Line, the company has a fairly significant cost-cutting uh, 
program effort initiative underway that's supposed to take $300 million out of cost by 2008. So in a sense... What's that per share? Well, I'd have to discount that back, but uh, that's $2 a share if I, you know, on a $15.5 stock. If I had to discount that back, I, I still think my uh, enterprise value EBITDA multiple is under four. Um, you know, there's an earnings decline this year uh, because of higher raw material costs, I think, primarily. Uh, that's clearly in the stock price, or at least a big piece of it is. Um, so the valuation, I think, kind of moderates the risk situation here, but a lot of leverage. Um, and, you know, the more I think about it, the products really are, are commodities, right? So you were talking earlier about a value trap, a little concern that Owens, Illinois could be uh, – could be one, but uh, well, I mean, valuation industrial production is, uh, you know, I mean, it's not at a peak. I think you still have a two, three years of a nice well, and, recovery. And but like I say, the valuation gives me a lot of, I mean, moderates the risk in the situation considerably. I mean, glass at this point. Yeah. I mean, what about it? It just seems like it might be just a little late in the cycle to. To, to buy the glass to buy the, to buy the glass so they are going to get they are going to get some wind at their back from energy price decline so, so maybe there'll I, be some margin so you know anyway continue my exploration of the packaging sector and uh, a name that I've looked at in the past hard a couple different times sealed air uh, owned it once symbol SEE value line rates at 3 this is 4. Point, almost 4.5 billion um, market cap manufacturer of specialized they have a lot of very uh, proprietary products this is really uh, you know, sort of opposite end of the spectrum from Owens, Illinois. Uh, foam in place packaging, something called Instapack. You may have seen, uh, you may have gotten something that you've ordered um, over the internet to come to you uh, at your home that's been packed that way. Uh, yeah, air maybe. cellular cushioning materials, you know, that uh, stuff everybody likes to pop. Polyethylene foam. P- food packaging materials has been the growth driver for this company in recent years. They make uh, They make the specialized packaging that's needed to uh, keep meat fresh if you do what's called centralized packing, which enables you to take advantage of uh, economies of scale and take a lot of high-priced labor out of the grocery store by taking it out of the meat department and basically cut the chops in a centralized location and ship them to the store in something that keeps them fresh-looking, which is the uh, number one objection that uh, uh, apparently the grocery shoppers have to uh, meat that has been in a package too long as it doesn't look fresh. And, um, you know, they've had a lot of success with it. The uh, the stock recently at 54, uh, 17.7p multiple according to value line, right on the market. 55.58, close to that. Um, 55.58, so up a little bit from the... Yeah. Um, well, Florida Rock is too... But basically longer. trading at market, and if you look at, you know, value line's got history back to 1990 in this particular case. And uh, it's only in 2005, 2006 that this stock has traded near a market multiple. In prior years, all the way back 1990, almost always a premium. Um, the steady return on capital uh, generally leveraged to a uh, strong return on, on equity. Um, so where's the disconnect? Uh, and the disconnect is that, uh, um, uh, that there is... Uh, a significant amount of debt on the balance sheet. Uh, now, leverage is a little overstated at 55% of capital because there's an, uh, more than a half a billion dollars of cash. So the uh, enterprise value EBITDA multiple works out to 7.2 times. And um, the company is generating a lot of free cash right now, and that's being directed at paying down debt. So, 
you've got a stock that is priced at about as cheap, uh, at least on a relative basis, that it ever has been, um, that is got an over-leveraged balance sheet, generates a lot of free cash flow, and is basically you know, converting some of that value from uh, or, con- or transitioning it from uh, debt holders to equity holders. So uh, nice deleveraging story along with some good growth. And the stock really hasn't gone anywhere in recent years. This 54 level, kind of where the near where the stock has peaked out, 2003, 4, and 5. Um, I'm just was looking 50, here, sales per share grow uh, every year. Yeah, exactly. Revenue over, you know, in the last three years, uh, revenue per share has gone up by about 30 percent. The mm. stock's gone nowhere. That's so interesting. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's doubled over the last uh, seven eight years. And, and, you know, it's just about nowhere. everything they make, I think, is probably affected one way or another by oil prices. And I got to believe with oil prices coming down that there uh, is you know a longer term opportunity here, perhaps, but uh, uh, perhaps a shorter term opportunity as well. Um, Anyway, think it think it looks interesting. It's sort of like uh, sort of like the Owens Illinois uh, situation, though. Um, you know, it's not. It, you know, it's not. Um, neither one of them are slam dunk. Well, the me. other thing, though, is you look at the relative performance chart here. It's been going down for Slowly. eight years. Yeah. It almost makes Pretty you wonder steadily. what's going on. Well, and uh, you wonder if maybe their uh, maybe their competitive uh, advantage, their. Uh, uh, proprietariness of their products is getting uh, slowly eaten into over time. Their operating margins were pretty consistently above 20% through 2001, 2002, and then they haven't been at that level since, and in fact, been 16, 17% the last couple of years now. Value lines projecting longer term, getting back to almost to the 20% level. Why would their returns be going up and their relative performance down for 10 years? That's an odd enigma wouldn't you say Bern? well it would suggest in part that the stock was considerably overpriced at an earlier period well, in its true, history true, yeah. true. Um, but I, I'm going to move on to my third name Please. because I think this is the best of the three the most interesting of the three um, Aptar group uh, symbol ATR you may not have heard of it uh, value line rates at four um, 1.8 billion market cap uh, company that makes dispensing. Now, Value Line says dispensing systems for fragrance, cosmetics, personal care, pharmaceutical, household, and food. Uh, what we're talking about here is the little spray um, valve thingy that's on the top of your Windex bottle, for example. Uh, but it might also be on a perfume, or it might be on a medical product. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they basically are experts at um, helping you get something out of a container, okay, uh, major leadership position, foreign sales, 70% of total sales uh, sort of struck my eye. Um, officers and directors own um, more than 7.5% of the stock, and uh, Newberger and Berman, no, uh, no slouch in the investment business, owns 13% of the company, so kind of like those characteristics. Um, the uh, capital structure, they only have $265 million of debt, 14% of total capital. There's $120 million of cash on the balance sheet, so really pretty un- uh, unleveraged balance sheet, if you will. I'm looking at 18% operating margins, which look, um, look sustainable, although there has been some history above 20 um, on about a billion and a half of revenue. 
add about $100 million of depreciation. I'm coming up with EBITDA estimate of about $360 million. I've got enterprise value, a billion eight of equity, uh, plus about $150 million of net debt, um, you know, around $2 billion enterprise value. Gives me about a five-and-a-half multiple of EBITDA uh, for a company that's making proprietary products. Um, apparently uh, has an acquisition strategy, and uh, Value Line outlined some of the businesses they bought recently. Um, they've had also some issues with costs. Almost everything they make is made out of plastic, and uh, same thing, oil prices coming down recently uh, should ultimately flow through in uh, resin costs, help their plastic prices. And the thing I like about this one, Val, is that um, it's squarely aimed at um, – I mean, there's, there's certainly in fragrances in some of these markets you'd have some uh, uh, some discretionary spending involved, but a lot of it's aimed at uh, uh, you know produ- producing a better customer experience with something that really would be a consumer staple, it might be a cleaning product, uh, you know, either household cleaning or personal hygiene or whatever. So I have this idea that uh, this is exactly the kind of stock that could attract incremental dollars as the economy slows. Uh, pressure on the economy uh, and on the consumer, um, and created in part by what's been going on in the home building industry. So, uh, if you if you go back and you look at 2001 on the chart here, it's the uh, you know you got the gray bar that indicates where we had a recession. Uh, the company's earnings and uh, stock price were moving up during that. Mm-hmm. So, looks like a um, looks like a. And now there may be some particulars to their history. Maybe they made you know a well-timed acquisition. I don't know, but. Uh, nevertheless, the investor looking at this name is going to be looking at what looks like a pretty steady performer in difficult economic environments. Um, the relative valuation, about a market multiple now, that's sort of historically where it's been. Um, but I do have a pretty nice yield at 1.7%. Um, stocks, 50, uh, $51 uh, has traded you know, 55 or higher each of the last three years. Um, you know, Again, this one might have gotten a little ahead of itself. Looks like it's had to Kind of consolidate, maybe ready to, to bust today, out a little bit. How much? Fifty-two forty-four. Fifty-two forty-four. But you know their returns look just a little bit too low to attract the competition you wouldn't want. And uh, yeah, they do pretty and, steadily. You know, the, yeah, they're probably not going to get beat up by uh, by by customers too much. The thing that I like about it, and uh, might not be uh, uh, perfectly obvious, because it does have a you got a market PE, and you have to do a little bit of work to arrive at the conclusion that right now it's being valued publicly at only five and a half times EBITDA with a very steady business model. Again, I would remind everybody, uh, this, is a, uh, this is a terrific takeout candidate for uh, a corporate sector that is you know, basically a wash in cash and uh, can't figure out what to do with, you know, in terms of incremental investment opportunities. Here's a, here's a terrific little company that just happens to be uh, – you know, uh, maybe kind of under the radar with uh, investors and, um, you know, has got what looks like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, if you can, it looks to me like a business that ought to be able to support a seven plus uh, takeout multiple and with a five and a half, um, you know. That, well, that, CapEx that and could... depreciation have been roughly in line, it looks like, the past year or two. And so, uh, unless they've got some big cycle coming up in terms of uh, uh Technology or new equipment, you know, yeah. then uh, that'd be the only caveat. But it doesn't look like that's the case. There doesn't seem to be any 
mention of that or any? No, I'm no. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not an expert on the packaging industry, but uh, yeah, it certainly like a very uh, interesting looks interesting idea. to me. And uh, the best of the, you know, I like them all, and uh, might even, you know, think of it in terms of, you know, a position divided among all three, and that would, you know, di- uh, diversify some of the risk of Owens, Illinois. But if I'm only going to buy one. I'm buying Aptar. Okay. That's what I've got this week, Val. All right. Well, my favorite was uh, and is Florida Rock, FRK. What I like about it, Monopoly and no debt. Okay. <laughs> you know, those are the best Those are the best stories. Yeah, you know, and I just, you, this one's you know, six even, times. Even the, uh, uh, six times EBITDA. Even the slowest broker can get that one. Uh, what do we like about this stock, Val? Uh, Monopoly. Yeah, but I, I love the brokers. I, uh, I've never met really a slow broker. Frankly, I think that uh, I think uh, this thing is uh, is ready to buy, and uh, I'm table pounding it. You're table pounding yes. it. My ears are ready. There ringing. you go. Oh. So uh, this has been Val Hughes, and uh, you are of course Vern Gaiu. I got to go take a nap. And thanks for listening, We're uh, signing everybody. Off now. Sayonara.